They say banks are boring, credit unions are dull. We don't agree, we love them all. Except for the big banks and neos who take a market share, make consumers blue. Need a fresh perspective, new direction. Take back banking and make some connections. If you feel stuck, it's not your fault. Here's an idea, try thinking outside the vaults. When Henry Ford rolled out the Model T automobile, he famously said, any customer can have a car painted in any color that he wants, so long as it is black. But it didn't take long for Ford and other nascent automobile companies to discover the power of color and fashion as a way to differentiate a product that stayed fundamentally the same from year to year. Today, Community financial institutions face a similar challenge in the lending space. They need to differentiate their lending products in a way that goes beyond the surface. Hi, I'm Zach Garver, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast for community banks and credit unions who believe that reaching consumers doesn't have to mean reaching into their wallets. Now, back to lending. Like the Model T only being painted in black, the fundamental features of a loan haven't changed, and most of the differentiation is superficial. In fact, loans have remained unchanged since nearly the beginning of recorded history. Some of the earliest historical records we have are for debts. And you can't slap a fresh coat of paint on a loan and call it new. You need some deeper changes. Sticking with our car analogy, the Tesla car company has disrupted the automobile industry by offering a vehicle based on a fundamentally different set of features. Sure, it still looks like a car with wheels, doors, seats, and glass, but underneath the exterior is a fresh experience that includes never buying gasoline again. And while you may feel that it's delusional for Tesla's market value to exceed that of all the other car companies combined, It's hard to argue with the stories from Tesla owners and the brand loyalty Tesla has earned. And to take that one step further, Tesla isn't tweaking the body panels every year and calling it a new model. The look of Tesla's cars hasn't changed, but their sales keep climbing. The lending industry is ripe for a Tesla-style disruption, with marketplace lenders like SoFi, Rocket Loans, Avant, and others muscling into the territories of community banks and credit unions, it's no longer enough to offer better interest rates. You need a fundamentally better experience. And that's what I'm talking about with Casasa's Chief Innovation Officer, Chris Cohen, in today's episode. He's been in the trenches helping community financial institutions to differentiate their retail portfolios for years, and he has a lot of wisdom to offer on this topic. It's a great conversation, and uh, I hope that you can sit back and enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, Chris Cohen, thank you for coming on Thinking Outside the Vault. I'm excited to have you back, uh, and we're going to be talking about the lending industry a little bit, some of the things that are going on there, some competitive stuff, and uh, just getting your getting your take on things right now. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and well, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah. Thank you. So let's kind of dive into this, right? I, everybody's tired of hearing about pandemic this, pandemic that. So let's just get right into uh, what's happening right now for financial institutions that are trying to grow their lending business. What are they facing? Um, 
a large never ending list of, of things. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Well, I, I, we will try to boil it down. I think, um, every institution is unique, right? And everybody has a unique situation, but sort of like the overarching theme that we continue to see throughout the country is a lot of excess liquidity. Um, so deposit growth continues to rise and the ability to offset that with lending growth, unfortunately is, is not keeping up. And, um, there's a number of reasons why, um, a lot of this has to do with us coming out of a refi boom. Um, so you saw a lot of folks getting their debt down to, you know, rates that were really, really attractive and there's not yeah. a need for that now. Um, I think a lot of this also has to do with a shifting consumer landscape and, and candidly institutions, they find it a little bit tricky right now to figure out who is credit worthy and who's not. That's not to say that they can't, um, they're obviously been doing this a long time. They're very good at it, but we all know that, you know, the gig economy is increasingly growing and the old adage of having a job for two years and how much did you make and just the traditional metrics, um, while still relevant, they're not the only way to score anymore. And institutions are having to be a little bit smarter and a little bit more creative about determining how much do I lend a consumer? Um, you know, should I lend money to a consumer? And so you're in a world where, um, you need loans, exactly who you should be giving them to is a little bit tricky. And at the same time, you have a monster that has ballooned over the last five years in the form of marketplace lenders. And, you know, you mentioned, we just came out of a pandemic where a lot of folks were homebound. And when you're homebound, you can't go out your door and they do what we all do. They turn to their, their laptop or their computer. And they, they started getting a lot, lot, lot more familiar with, um, how to shop digitally and, um, for better or worse, uh, a lot of our traditional community bank and credit union partners, um, while they may have had digital offerings, uh, they weren't necessarily set up to compete one-to-one -one with some of the best of breed and marketplace lending. So think of your SoFis and, and the like. And so yeah. what you've seen there is continued market share growth there. Um, and a lot of our advice having to play a little bit of catch up to figure out, all right, how do I better compete in that space? I actually want to drill down a little bit on that credit criteria. Uh, thing that you brought up, right? Where the institutions are having some struggles to identify their, you know, who the qualified candidates are, which is, some, is something we talk about at Casasa from a lot of angles, right? Because we do help people with their marketing. And something I've heard our chief marketing officer say, uh, Keith Brannon, uh, you know, it's like, we can bring all the people to your door, but if they're not meeting your credit criteria, like if, if your credit criteria is mismatched with the kind of candidates we're bringing, then like that money can feel a little bit wasted. And so like, how do you make an intelligent decision about who's a credit worthy consumer? Uh, sounds like a pretty interesting question. Are, are, it, and that's a kind of constraint, right? Um, Cause I think from the little bit that I know, like that even rolls up into some regulatory stuff, right? Like they're accountable for the types of consumers that they're lending to. Is that yeah, it, it, it's a challenge and it's a, it's not something that there's like a single silver bullet answer for. Um, you know, you, Zach, walk into the door of my local institution and I know you and I know who you are as a person. I know that you're going to do everything in your power to pay it back. And, you know, maybe the ratios aren't exactly right, but by all accounts, you're, you're a good customer. The, the, the challenge is exactly what you said, which is we can have some of the greatest tech and there's constantly evolving tech that's getting smarter and smarter about looking at things that don't fit in sort of that traditional box, right? And allowing us to be a little bit more intelligent. I think each institution has to make a determination on whether or not that's for them or how much of that they use. You're seeing a lot of institutions more and more start to use that type of technology and that scoring um, as a complementary component to their traditional models, right? So I can take a look at some of this other stuff, but I still have the security of like a traditional FICO-based um, yeah. uh, system. But 
even if in my heart of hearts, I want to do it. That is, it's not a burden, but it is an unfair playing field. A lot of our institutions still have a lot more regulatory oversight than a lot of the traditional marketplace lending players. And that has to do with the business models and has to do sort of how they came in and how, you know, regulation is always slow to catch up with technology. Now that's changing. That is changing. You're, you're seeing more and more legi- legislation being proposed to where it will create a fair playing field. But as it stands now, that's not the case. And so, you know, my advice to institutions as they're trying to solve this is I do think there's there's a lot of great players that are out there that are bringing interesting things to the table. And as long as they can get comfortable with them and they have staff that's competent in what they're looking at, and they're willing to make the time um, or put the time and energy into to investing into it. It can help them tremendously in terms of the next person in the door, let's find a way to get them into a product that's safe for them and good for us. Right. Um, absent that the downside is exactly what you said. We can bring a lot of people to your door. You're just only going to be able to get a select few of them through. And I'm not sure that necessarily is going to fit the, the idea of filling some of those balance sheet gaps that we, we touched on earlier. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it'd also be interesting to look at this in the light of uh, the financial crisis of 2007-2008, uh, right? Because there are some, uh, shall we say, superficial similarities, at least um, you know, maybe from an economic standpoint. Like it wasn't a pandemic, but it was it was you know, say self-inflicted. But things like low rates and and economic um, recession. Mm-hmm. Uh, can feel like, uh, you know, we've been through this before, but have we, I guess is my question. I think this one's, I mean, I'm not, don't use the word recession. You'll scare people. They'll just turn <laughs> off right now. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not an economist. So take everything I say with a grain of salt, but having, you know, work through both of those, I, I think what's, here's, what's different this time. I think one notable difference in my mind was from a legislation perspective, we were a lot more proactive and there's pros and cons of that. So this is by no means a political take on any of this. Um, I think the amount of stimulus that we dumped into the economy, the amount of assistance that we try to put in people's hands over what we anticipated, um, was going to happen as a result of the pandemic. It's created, I I don't want to say unintended side effects, but things that maybe we didn't necessarily anticipate. So, that's led to a lot of the liquidity issues that a lot of our institutions are facing now. It's led to what you're seeing as sort of this yo-yo effect inside of consumer spending. My most recent consumer spending uh, reports that came out was consumer spending is now pulled back. And then who knows what the next legislation's on the table. It may expedite again. Um, mm-hmm. I don't recall in 0708 us having nearly the inflation concerns that we have yeah. now. And we're more and more economists are saying it's it's a near certainty. I hope that's not the case, right? Um, but all of those things, for better or worse, fall in the hands of the executives at our institutions. They have to figure out how to navigate, not just the things we talked about, but now these broader macro considerations as well. And so it's, it's a challenging time, but I think at the same time, it's a really cool opportunity for our clients to go back, reassess, who are we, what are we trying to do? And there's never been a a more interesting time in my mind to take chances and not necessarily reinvent yourself, but try new things, right? Try things that maybe you, previously didn't need to try. And so whether it's out of necessity or just out of this idea of, while well, that looks really interesting, let's give it a shot. Um, I can 
give countless examples of FIs that are really trying cool stuff right now. And in some cases, the results aren't awesome and they've stopped and no harm, no foul, try something different. Mm -hmm. But in more cases than not, it's been really, really interesting to see them open up new revenue items, open up new ways to serve their communities through things that they historically had said, that's just not for us. And it is these factors that are really driving them to to reassess um, what makes sense for them to to adopt and what doesn't. That is so encouraging to hear. I think one of the the bright sides of this or one of the opportunities that we can say is that like the the means that those marketplace lenders are using to reach into those backyards for those consumers are the same means that are accessible in at least from an infrastructure standpoint, like it's the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Any institution can, you're accessible over the internet in a way that you aren't, you know, through your physical branches. Now, like there's challenges for sure. It's not like you just go set up a website and everybody, you know, that's not a build it and they will come kind of scenario. <laughs> it's not how, it's not like the world of, of digital lending or whatever isn't, doesn't work like that, but there, there's opportunity there that anybody can get into that space, uh, working with the right partners. I think, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not responsible for making those decisions, but that's like what I feel like I'm seeing, uh, is that it's possible to compete there with the right strategy. Yeah. So that's a really good point. I, it's tough. Uh, the good news is you're a hundred percent right. When you're talking about how consumers are becoming increasingly digital and digital first, which is, you know, this big saying that everyone wants to go with now, but it it just happens to also be true. The good (laughs) news is that for any institution, you can play in that space too. Now, the, here's the the cold reality. It's a lot more complicated than you think. As you said, it's not standing up a website and then folks are going to show up, but that's sort of the role of Casasa. Our job is to understand all those complexities and to take a lot of that burden off of the shoulders of RFI so they can do what they're good at. And I think the question of what does it take to compete digitally is an interesting one. And that's a conversation I've really enjoyed having with a lot of our clients. I think to go back to an old adage that we've known for a while, but it's just been increasingly accentuated over the last few years. And we've seen it really come into to play is consumers more and more are shopping on product first. Product first mm-hmm. just means this isn't the 1950s where if you wanted a car, you went down to your local car dealership, you said, show me what you got, kind of looked around, you grabbed something off the lot and out the door you went. Today, you go to Google, you search for exactly the car you want, you research it upside down, you know, every Mm -hmm. speck of it. And then you make a purchase decision. That purchase decision is where am I going to get it from? And so the more I think there of that story is it's imperative that our institutions figure out how do I differentiate in a digital environment? And then how do I differentiate in in a way that consumers actually value? And then Mm -hmm. I allow the brand that I've built over the last hundred, 150 years and all of the goodness that I've, I've built with my community to be the thing that at the end of the day wins, but it starts with, I've got to have something that they truly, truly value. And I got to have something that truly allows me to stand out versus the others. Um, I'm, I, I know for a fact, our institutions can win on price. They can beat all of these guys on price. Um, you know, at the sake of feeling like we have all the answers, I know we can win on product. We have better products than any other ones. We yeah. only work with community FI, so you're going to win that one. Um, and we got really smart people that understand how to make sure that you're positioned well digitally. And then what they bring to the table is the thing that nobody can replicate. And that's that they're in the local community, that they do have this reputation in their community for doing the right thing and giving back. And I think that's, to me, that's how you win this battle. That's how we actually start to change the tide and, and put them back in their rightful place and turn the market share story back on its head. But, um, it does take cooperation from both sides and it's got to take a willingness on those institutions to have a, a real 
hard discussion and say, what is it that we want to do and who do we want to be? Yeah. Well, to, and to that point, you know, we were speaking earlier and you mentioned there is another route, right? And that's uh, to kind of take a big step back and, and for lack of a better term, become a balance sheet for rent. Um, and what do you, are you seeing a lot of institutions take that route? I mean, is that, is that the risk? Is that more the like, let's hedge our, hedge our bets and just pick a, the safe option or, or what do you I, think is going on there? I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's hedge our bets because I do think that it's increasingly detrimental to their long-term health. Um, I, what you're referring to in terms of rent a balance sheet, what you saw the, the story of marketplace lending, and I'm going to oversimplify this and, and caveat, please don't sue us if I say anything that's not 100% <laughs> accurate. Uh, the story of marketplace lending is this was these niche companies, um, again, over-exaggeration, these niche companies that operated more or less on the coast. Um, they were digital lenders and they weren't household names. A lot of times I, I can remember going back 10 years ago, you sit at conferences and there was just a lot of eye rolling, like, yeah, you know, we'll see how they do. And what they've done is they've become more mainstream household names, right? That's the good part. Now, the, the downside is they're not banks. They're not credit unions. They don't have large balance sheets to actually hold a lot of this stuff. And so they've kind of got themselves into a little bit of a problem where their success is now their biggest problem. And the next loan that comes in the door, which they're great at finding, they've now got to find somewhere to put it. And so we are seeing them increasingly turn to the community financial institution space and say, hey, you need loans. We have loans. And on the face of it, that sounds great. Like that sounds like something that's a win-win. The, the problem is who owns the consumer and what are the motivations of both parties with that consumer? Um, mm -hmm. A lot of these fintech players, their value comes from the fact that they own the consumer. That yeah, you can take the loan and we'll put it on your balance sheet. That's where we coined the term, like you're just renting a balance sheet. Um, but that's not your consumer. That's not your relationship. You're not gonna cross sell additional products and services. They're probably not even gonna know who you are. Um, a non-lending example would be Chime. A lot of folks yeah. don't know Strider Bank Corp sits behind Chime. They think they have a Chime account. And <laughs> yes. Kazasa's, Kazasa's viewpoint on that is fundamentally different. We would prefer that it be a case where the institution's highlighted right from the beginning, that it's very, very clear that it's a local institution that's giving you this loan or this checking account, that throughout the entire life of the loan, it's very clear that that institution owns that consumer and that Casasa does everything in its power to ensure that we deepen wallet share with that consumer via that institution. And so if you got a short-term liquidity need and this is like a life-saving, it's like anything else. Yeah. If, if, if you have to have it, do it. Um, and I'm not knocking it. There's value there. I just think that it's not the best approach and it's, it's certainly not the most strategically viable approach. If, um, if we were all to sit down and be honest with each other. Yeah. How, how are we trying to attack this, this problem on, on behalf of community banks and credit unions? Yeah. So uh, this isn't the formal announcement. This is just <laughs> a sneak peek into something that that's near and dear to our heart. So if you think about what Casasa's has built, um, you know, over the last 20 years at this point, um, we have just north of 900 financial institutions that, that we partner with. Um, and, we love each and every one of them. And while collectively they may not be, you know, these mammoth institutions or I'm sorry, individually, they may not be these mammoth institutions collectively. Um, they, they carry a pretty big sword. And so what we're looking at are how, how are there, what strategies can we adopt that allow us to best leverage this network that we've built and to do it in a way that ensures that our client partners are getting the maximum value 
out of every transaction that we're able to help them continue to grow market share, increase profitability, all, you know, all the things that we've always stood for. And so what we're looking at testing right now is more of a strategy that allows us to go out into the market across the board, leverage the, the scale that we've built, the tools that we've built, um, and work with really, really large partners that, that know us in our network and find creative ways to drive loans deposits, checking accounts, other products, um, through a unified, uh, uh, digital experience, again, highlighting the institution step one, and then sort of taking all the operational burden off of them and allowing the end result to be more consumers at community FIs with really cool products that we know they love and value. Um, and that sort of serves as a jumping off point for that relationship. And so it's not groundbreaking per se, um, but I can't tell you, it's something we're really, really excited about. And we'll have a lot more to share sort of towards the end of the year. We're just getting our footing under us now, you know, in this business, you got to do it right. But I, I guess my point is this isn't the reason I would share that is we understand the challenges that our clients are facing and it's not a, Hey, we hope you figure it out. It's we're going to jump in here right with you, put our money where our mouth is um, and do everything we possibly can to ensure that you're successful. You, know, you have something like an Etsy, right? You know, and, and maybe some people will think about Etsy as like, well, I mean, I'm going to go buy a pair of knitted socks or whatever, right? Like, and that's, and it's nothing amazing, right? When I look at Etsy and say, I've been doing my Christmas shopping on Etsy, right? And I have found these artisans, these people who make incredible things that I cannot get by going to Target or even going to Amazon, Right. I mean, like Amazon's like the king of Christmas shopping. <laughs> uh, and I find stuff on Etsy that I can't get anywhere else. And that makes me feel really good about that. And, and that person, like, I feel like I, I'm using the Etsy app. I have a relationship with the artisan that I bought the thing from, you know, and the quality of that relationship is so much higher than it would be if I went to Target or whatever. And, and to that, to me, uh, I'm not saying that like, that's exactly what Casas is moving towards. But I think that the, the sentiment there is what we're moving towards is like the ability to maintain that quality of that connection and for it to be expanded and uh, to not feel like you have to step, you know, wait, you're not stepping out of the spotlight. We're actually, we are highlighting you in a way that allows you to reach more people with the goodness of your brand. I think it, it's a really apt comparison. So to me, it, you're touching on a lot of the things that we've seen, a lot of the research we've done lately on consumer sentiment. Authenticity is just one of those things that consumers right now, you're seeing more and more, they value incredibly high. And and that's a great thing, right? Especially in a world where everything just feels like it's increasingly commercialized. Mm -hmm. um, I think at the core, our institutions are about as authentic as they can be. And so really in that context, the role of Casas is to serve as a conduit between these large swaths of consumers that are all over the market and trying to ensure that we get in front of them and that we show them here is an institution with products that are just as good, if not better than anything else you can get out in the market. And, um, you know, they're real and they actually will treat you like a person and not a number. And so I would love to be Etsy. Um, I don't know that it's hundred percent the right, the right metaphor, but yeah, the I think you're banking. This yeah. is a new, a new thing. Well, have, you should have Keith Brandon on and our CMO and he could come up with, you know, the perfect analogies, but, um, <laughs> in the context of what we're discussing, yes, that is, that is more and more where we would like to think that we can make a positive impact on behalf of our clients. And I think if you look at what does Casasa do really, really well, 
like what's our role and then uh, our institution's role and how are they complementary? I think what we have proven to do really well is we really understand like where consumer pain points reside and we've gotten incredibly good at building products that are designed to attack those pain points, right? So things that actually matter. That goes back to the authenticity part, right? We're not we're not going to build products that just go faster for the sake of going faster. Like that's not a consumer pain point. What is a consumer pain point is perhaps I want to get out of debt, right? So that's the, the, the lending product. And then we've also proven that we're pretty darn good at getting those consumers to a digital marketplace or a digital front end mm-hmm. um, and getting them through a funnel quickly, right? We've done that for 15 years now and we've gotten pretty good at it. What we're not good at is uh, loan origination or loan underwriting or loan pricing. Like I, you don't want me telling a consumer what we should price their loan at. I don't know. I've never, I've never managed a balance sheet. Um, right. and I'm certainly not nearly as good, at, good at servicing that loan as a local institution would be. But if I can do my job and ensure that we are reaching out and touching consumers and showing them what's out there and where they can find it, um, I'm pretty confident our institutions can take it from there and, yeah. and continue to build lifelong consumers that that'll grow and love them. I think that's awesome. Uh, and I want to actually go back to something that you were saying, talking about, you know, Casasa building products, you know, cause that's obviously if, if you're new, if you're listening to this podcast new and you don't know very much about Casasa, like it's a pretty good introduction that we do, you know, we, we build banking products and, and services and things like that to try and help these institutions compete. Um, and you know, one of those for sure is the Casasa loan, right. Which has been around for a while. Maybe you can help me with this, but it's like, you, you genuinely can't get anything comparable to it anywhere else. That's right. right? That the I'll, I'll spare the long-winded Casasa loan overview. I get pretty passionate about it. Um, it is one of the things I'm probably the most proud of in my career that we were able to build and, and the success that it's had. We can touch on that. The at, at its foundation, it's really built on two basic concepts. And the first one is that we know for a fact consumers don't understand their debt. And in a world where financial literacy is increasingly important, and again, going back to what our institutions care about, like our clients want to have smart, educated consumers, right? It, mm-hmm. it goes without saying that if a consumer really understands it, then it becomes a no brainer. They're going to continue to pick them. Why wouldn't you? They treat you great and they give you the best <laughs> stuff. So yep. at its base, the, the loan's designed to where a consumer can actually understand it. It's all through a digital dashboard. It's really cool. And it's gone through years and years of testing to make sure that they can actually explain to us what they have. And that that's awesome. Um, the second big component of it is the ability for a consumer to get out of debt faster and do so in a safe fashion. And we call that via take back. And what it allows a consumer to do is pay ahead on a loan, which is not a novel concept. Everybody can do that. I guess today that the challenge is they don't. And the main reason that they don't is because, um, they worry. Like if I do this, what happens if I need that money later? And Mm -hmm. we said, you know, what if we didn't have to make them make that trade off? Like let them pay it down, feel great about themselves, save interest, maybe get out of debt earlier. But if they ever need that money, they literally can click a button and put it back in their checking account. And Again, it's it's a pretty simple idea. I think it's obviously incredibly complicated how you pull it off and all the the work and technology that goes into it. But here's what's awesome: it's not only working. The consumer response is insane. So when I say working, I mean um, it's offered by I, I, I'm gonna mess the number up, but it's nearly 40 institutions right now, and there's nearly the same amount that are coming online very very soon. So it's really found its footing um, yeah. on a per unit basis. It's proven to be more profitable than a traditional loan. Like consumers. Um, are opening about 39% more loans than they would without it. And it's about 52% more balances per borrower. So if you need loans, right, this might be something you might want to look at. Um, But more important than the FI stats, um, the consumer response 
It is yeah. the, the number of stories that I know, Zach, you see them, but the number of stories that we get from real consumers that say this thing is awesome and they give that credit back to their local institution. Like that's why you build products, right? Like that's the thing that we all <laughs> wanted to do when we set out. Um, right. Well, okay, and I, I, even, I, I'll stop. Yeah. Well, no, actually don't. I'm, 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 I don't want you to stop. I, uh, I would love, and, and just for our listeners to know, like we working on this, um, I think we all kind of sensed that there was something different about it and that it, it could be really, really powerful. Uh, and, and just recently we, uh, collected a bunch of consumer stories that were just kind of circulating around the company and, and incredibly moving. I mean, so reading it for me was like reading some of these stories. It was like, okay, yes. The thing that we all like believe that this could be like, that's, it's actually working. I don't know. I mean, yeah. like maybe, I don't know. Maybe you could pick one of your favorites, uh, from, from that batch of stories that just came through recently. Um, uh, it, well, it's, so it's hard to pick favorites, but, um, I'll tell you the, there's plenty of the stories in there where, um, you get the kind of feedback that like you always want to hear. So this is awesome. Or, um, Hey, I, I got this as an auto loan and I saw how cool it was. And so I consolidated all my other debt into it. And we, we hear that a lot. Matter of fact, a lot of institutions more and more are using it as a way to ask consumers like, Hey, do you have any other debt that you wish worked like this? And when they're actually looking at it and touching and feeling, they're like, yeah, this is really cool. So, so there's tons of those. And if anybody wants to see them, those will, those will, get you a little spark in your step and, you, and you'll feel great. Um, but I'll tell you the one that moved me the most. And this is a little bit of one of those, oh, it's sappy and, but it's important. So there, there was a woman and she's a single mom and she was trying to get back and forth from work. Um, you can imagine being a single mother and you're having to take the bus and oh my gosh. It, right. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Genuinely. I don't. Yeah, like I'm gonna babysit for a night, and I'm like, <laughs> why do single parents do that? <laughs> yeah. Two sentences in, like right off the bat, this woman's stronger than I am. Like we can establish that. So, um, but she 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 wanted a car, and she wanted a car so she could get back and forth from work, actually have a chance to get her kid, it, all the stuff that you can imagine that we all probably take for granted. And after multiple denials, um, she was able to work with one of her local institutions, which, okay. So right off the bat, this is like why our clients are in business. This is what they stand for. Um, and and that part in of itself was moving to me. And so not only did they find a way to get into a loan, it was Casas alone. And so she now has her car, she's working, life is good. And every month she was paying a little bit extra and she's feeling good. She's saving on all this interest and for circumstances we don't have to get into, she ends up losing her home. So now her and her daughter are more or less having to live out of this car, which is just tragic, right? Like, yeah. like talk about, again, this woman's way stronger than I would ever be. Um, and flash forward, not too very long. She realizes, well, wait a second, I can use the take back that I've been building up in my loan, right? Every month I was paying ahead, but we were keeping track how much, and I can use that for a down payment on an apartment. And what that allowed her to do was get out of the car into an apartment where her and her daughter now have a home. Um, and again, I know it's sappy. I know it's not something that you're going to come across every day. I'm not promising you that if you offer the Casasola, <laughs> there are hundreds gonna... of these waiting for you on the other side, but I got to tell you as a product guy, like that's what you set out to do. You wanted to make a positive impact in someone's life. And so think about it this way. You think she's ever leaving that institution that gave her the loan? No. You think she's ever going to get a loan anywhere else at this point? Like they, they've, who do you think she's going to tell all her friends to go bank with? Right. 
that's the intimacy, right? That, like even my friend was trying to get at about, you know, the, the intimacy of your relationship with that banker. That's right. It's the authenticity, it's the differentiation, and it's the community aspect that pulls it all together. And it's why you do what we do. And um, it's why I wish everyone would offer the Casasa loan, not because they're all going to have heartbreaking stories like that, but just the fact that like it's the best lending product out there and you're making positive impacts on people's lives, which I think at the end of the day is probably one of the core values that we share most with our clients. So, Right. What's something really practical that an institution can do today or this week, maybe, um, that's going to better position them to get out there and, and get more loans and offset some of that liquidity, right? Look at your own data. Might that be my answer? Look at your own data. And, and here's what are they looking for. In this is, data? this is the fun, fun part of this. It's, it doesn't have to be super automated and it doesn't have to be some awesome program you bought. That's going to help you slice and dice and sort it. You're going to want to get that. Cause after you do this exercise, you're going to realize how much power is in there. And you're not going to want to have to do this exercise every time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you want a partner like Kasasa that'll just do it automatically. But I think it, it sometimes I'm a little bit surprised by how little our institutions know about their own consumers. And it's not a knock on them because we're all busy and now more than ever, they're wearing multiple hats, but but if I found myself in a position where like, hey, we've got to hit a loan number for to meet our quarterly goal or annual goal or whatever the case is, and we're getting sort of towards the end of the year, grab your own data. It's accessible to you. And I would really start looking at indicators of where consumers have loans, but they happen to not reside in your institution. And Who else are we, they paying their debt with, right? That's exactly right. And you can see it. It's outbound ACH transactions, which you can see. It's um, credit reports that you probably have on file. You don't have to go pull them all, but you've, you, you've got them. Um, and any other number of indicators. But again, it's data that lives inside your four walls. And from there, look, if I had to do it tomorrow, I'd go pull a random sample of 100 consumers, study the data, pick the top five. And I'm a community institution. I'm probably going to pick up the phone and call them. And again, this is not scalable, right? Like you don't <laughs> want to do this long term. But I think what you would find is like, wow, that was pretty constructive. Now, how do I actually scale this out? And the way that you scale it out is you take that same methodology. It's a lot more fancy tools and folks that have PhDs and data and all that other good stuff. And I'm glad we got them. But um, yep. it's being able to look at that data constantly and then actually have automated marketing that targets those same consumers. But at the core of it, it's the same thing. It's let's take your consumers and actually maximize um, the value out of each and every relationship that you have. Um, and that to me seems like the lowest hanging fruit. And then from there, we can talk about how do we now go out into the open world and attract even more of those same qualified consumers. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing how doing that kind of homework that you're talking about can really clarify things. You know, That's right. What you're going to find out talking, phone calling, you know, making phone calls to those five consumers or whatever and figuring out what their lending needs are and how you can help them. That's, I think that's an incredible idea. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time, for your perspective. Uh, I think this is going to be valuable for our listeners and uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man, it was fun. Thank you for having me. Um, and if anybody needs anything, holler. Otherwise, um, cheers. Thank you very much, Zach. Many locally owned banks and credit unions are very practiced at mitigating risk and protecting the money and trust that their communities have invested in them. It's an amazing quality that contributes to our nation's economic stability. On the flip side, if you spend all your energy trying to avoid bad things, you will also miss out on some amazing opportunities. If you want to reach new borrowers 
and new account holders, you need to look for ways to differentiate your product offering and back it up with the excellent service you're already known for. Up to this point, differentiation has been something you've tried to do in-house. Today, there are a lot of partners who can work with you to reach new borrowers with the types of products they want and need, maybe even products they didn't know existed. Thanks again for listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast produced and distributed by Kasasa. Our theme song was written by Victoria Kerr. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. It helps other listeners to discover us. You can also send your comments and feedback to social at kasasa.com.